Want to ramp up B2B leads and revenue from your website using SEO and content? Then stay tuned. Hey, I'm Sam Dunning, host of the Top 10 B2B Marketing Podcast Business Growth Show. And to check out my free guides, playbooks, podcasts, or Whenever you're ready to apply to work with me for SEO, your website, or B2B consulting, head over to samdunning.org. So this episode is taken from my recent interview on the SaaS Sprints podcast. We dive into where most B2B tech and service companies fall short when it comes to their SEO and content strategy. I do a deep dive into initial keyword research right through to executing an SEO and content campaign to make sure that your strategy is actually going to drive qualified leads and revenue through the door. We also dig into why experimentation is key to marketing and a bunch of other tips around SEO and content. So with that, let's dive in. Hey, Sam, I'm super happy to have you here. How's it going? Hey, Ak. Yeah, looking forward to the conversation, sir. Absolutely. I'm so thrilled and uh, I'm excited for this. Right. Let's get started. You know, um, one of the first things is that when it comes to SEO, a lot of people don't know whether they are currently doing it right or what's going on with everybody starts with certain assumptions. And when you're a small team, you're probably building bottom funnel content priority as, as your priority. And then you start expanding as you become a bigger company. But let's start with this. In your observation, where do most companies actually go wrong when it comes to SEO? And you're running an agency. You probably see this on a daily basis. So many things. So a lot of it comes down to the strategy. And that might be because perhaps they don't have expertise in it, or perhaps they're following guidance from someone else or something else. So a bunch of common mistakes I see is perhaps they go for creating blog articles before having clear product or offer pages, which we can dive into in a bit more detail in a sec. They don't have a clear defined strategy. So they're trying a bunch of different SEO tactics like blog articles or they're building backlinks or they're trying to do partnerships or they're trying to update their website. They're trying to do some technical SEO. They're trying to refresh their content. But there's no clear strategy as to, well, these are the actual types of clients we want to attract. Let's build out a plan so we attract these that need our offer that are actually going to drive inbound lead or inbound demo requests or consult requests in the short term. Um, or have other random things like trying to build links with, with no clear guidance or having quite a light website is something that's quite common, especially in the SaaS world and B2B. A lot of these websites only have five, six pages like home about us, services, pricing, contact, something like that. And if you just have such a thin content website, you're going to really struggle to, to rank. So those are probably some of the, the big culprits that I see, but there's lots more that we can certainly dive into when it comes to SEO. Yeah, no, absolutely. Each of these are, you know, um, like rabbit holes that we can absolutely get into and deep dive. Let's let's talk about, you know, the strategy part for a second. Um, you know, you and I both understand that having a list of keywords is not an SEO strategy, right? So you're one of the best when it comes to SEO. So maybe give us a glimpse into how do you typically get started with the SEO strategy once you have a new website? If you're doing a refresh or redesign, you want to think about SEO before you launch that website because quite often businesses will come to us and they'll be like, I've just launched a website, Sam. I want to start SEO. It's like, well, you're going to cause yourself a whole lot of pain because if you'd have thought about SEO when you're building this thing out, it would have been a lot, lot easier. Anyway, with that said, 
the main thing you want to define first and foremost with an SEO strategy is really like, what do you want to get out of this? And in the most in most cases in B2B SaaS, um, these companies want to drive inbound demo requests. They want to drive qualified opportunities for their sales team. So they want to make organic search a sustainable source of inbound to fuel revenue and fuel sales team with juicy leads. So first thing you want to really be clear on is who exactly are we targeting? What's our ideal client profile? But moreover, what are the main offers we actually want to get inbound for? And what are the main industries that we best serve that drive good revenue and that we enjoy working with? Because from there, we can start researching and seeding out um, opportunities when it comes to potential keywords that we can target. I like to call money terms that are going to be the, uh, the quickest wins because ultimately that's what we want to do. We want to be found by these prospects that fit our ideal client profile that are quite literally searching for our offer or service. So long tail searches is one of the best ways to do that. And you can use the common culprits on SEO tools like HREF, SEMrush, whatever. Um, so first and foremost, like from our perspective, to give you an actionable example, we hadn't done a whole bunch of SEO for, on our website for a little while because we were servicing clients. So I thought, look, let's, I want to double down on all the industries we serve. So I started um, doing some research and basically building out pages for every niche. So in our case, it was like B2B SEO for SaaS. We'll build out a page for that. Um, build B2B SEO for pharma tech companies, B2B um, SEO for health tech companies, etc. So think about what is the core offer that you provide and what are some of the core industries and those can build out long tail keywords that those particular relevant um, prospects might search for. And then you can build a best in class landing page that talks about the problems, how you fix them, why you're different, qualifies them, etc. And I can talk about long form landing pages in a bit. But yeah, that's one of the first things, like building out those long-form keywords. Um, but it doesn't end there. So there's other opportunities. Once you've nailed down what I call the money terms, the main offers and industries you want to get leads from, then you can start kind of working up the funnel. And that might be something like mid-funnel, where people are at the comparison stage. So you might look at alternative keywords. So if you've got common competitors that you come against, um, for example, if you're a proposal tool, that might be, I don't know, Proposify versus Pandadoc or Pandadoc alternatives or Proposify alternatives. Because um, as you know, in the B2B space, most of the time, these companies are comparing two or three vendors. So you want to make sure you show up um, when people are doing these searches. And then you can do, once you've nailed down your kind of mid-funnel and bottom-funnel searches, you can think about early in the funnel, early in the stage, um, sales stage process, which might be prospects have questions around your offer. They might have problems you fix um, and actually understanding and knowing what to target for those is really good to dig into things like sales conversations, customer success conversations, um, prospecting conversations, because you can quite literally get with your sales team and understand what are the common queries that we get on a day to day, what are the common objections we face, what are the common frustrations that prospects come to us to fix, all that juicy info that can also be really well leveraged for your keyword research and can also tap into something called zero-click search terms, which is essentially where you ignore tools like Hrefs and SEMrush, and you go after the keywords that might show a zero volume or zero to 10 searches, but you know that you're getting asked these queries all the time. Therefore, if you build out great pages, great content that addresses those pain points or questions, you can actually capture demand before your competitors even get a sniff. So that's probably one of the first stages I'd recommend, getting a clear strategy 
for bottom of funnel, which would be where the first couple of months are spent and then working your way up um, before we jump into website and content. I absolutely love the last part, especially. And that was something that I was going to ask based on how your answer was going towards that. Because, you know, uh, the initial part that you described uh, primarily looks like something that, you know, you work on a well-defined market where you know that these are the terms that my prospects are going to search with. And um, you will target a different set of keywords and try to rank better and all of that. But when you're starting out, especially, you know, when you are a new product, like you said, you know, these guys are going to have only about five or six pages on their website, which means that they have to build out an entire content strategy around it. And many a times the thought process there is that, hey, should I invest on demand capture or should I be doing demand gen as everybody on LinkedIn these <laughs> days are primarily talking about? So what is, what is your thought process there? What would be your recommendation for something who's somebody who's just starting out, what would be the division for you? Oh, in terms of like a new B2B SaaS company, like what, what they should do is yeah, for somebody who is new, let's, let's say, yeah, let's say somebody is coming up with, uh, you know, a new product to compete with HREFs, right. Uh, or, <laughs> or any, or Panadoc for that matter. Right. It's, it's going to be an absolute struggle, but where do you start? You know, because these markets are already flooded. And yeah. you cannot be playing the catch-up game. You also have to put out something that is very, very unique. So how, where do you start? Completely depends on the situation, right? If they've got funding, then they can do what they want. They can invest in everything. But let's pretend <laughs> right. that they're bootstrapped and they've got limited cash. Then I probably wouldn't think about SEO straight away. So if, if I was in right. that situation where I had a new tech product, be it SaaS or be it a service, then the go-to-market in my mind would be more let's acquire customers, let's get some monthly recurring revenue, then let's scale marketing. So literally what I've done with my businesses when I've started, I've always got the quickest wins, which typically is existing network. So where have you got an existing network that you can sell to? Do you have some connections? Do you have a decent um, connections on LinkedIn? Do you have an audience elsewhere? Maybe you've got an email list. Maybe you've got a channel on YouTube. Maybe you're in a a Slack community. Maybe you've actually got meetups that you do, kind of real friends, real connections. So first and foremost, always the quickest way to sell because that's what you need to do first and foremost, get cash in the bank so you can actually grow your product, grow your team, grow your revenues and start building is, yeah, leverage your existing network. So start reaching out to prospects that you already know, that already trust you and say, look, I've built this thing. This is the problem we fix. Can we have a conversation? Um, because they already know and trust you and not only that but they can start giving you some social proof once you start selling to them you get some cash in the bank you can start getting some case studies some testimonials then you can start working on the real go-to-market motion which might be organic search strategy it might be yes you want to capture demand first i wouldn't even think about building demand at this stage once i've got some cash in the bank from that <laughs> first exercise then i would start capturing demand so on the basis that the offer is an established market which it would be if it was some kind of proposal tool or whatever, meaning there's prospects searching for the, yeah. for the offer. Chuck some money into Google Ads, chuck some money into maybe G2 or Capterra, whatever's relevant. These are the listing aggregator sites that have a ton of traffic because then you can just start capturing a few leads for people that have high intent for your offer. And then you can start thinking about kind of scaling out an organic search strategy. That would be my first idea, point of view. 
No, I absolutely love that. That's very uh, founder friendly talk. Absolutely, I resonate with you uh, because you know I've been through the same process myself. Um, you know, coming from a proper content marketing background and then starting out my agency, it's it's still like you have to reach out to your immediate network to put food on the table, and then like in in my case, um, the first three months I didn't even build my website. Right, so we came back and did this. We started the podcast first and came up for the website much later, and then uh, content and all those things um, came up a bit later because the focus is, like you said, you know, the focus was always delivering for existing customers, and then your own website as an agency <laughs> becomes less of a priority in that uh, sequence. But let's talk about this. You know, let's talk about. Um, driving revenue using seo you mentioned uh, you know uh, money keywords i would love to double click on that and understand um, what are those and um, how do they connect to revenue the reason why i ask this is that generally it is very difficult to get the stakeholders together in an organization to agree on this seo strategy so let's talk about a combination of this what are the money keywords and how do you get people together to work on a strategy. So yeah, money keywords, essentially what I mean by that is what would your ideal prospect quite literally search for if they're ready to have a sales conversation with your team today? Um, so if we go back to proposal tools, if we go down to kind of niche long tail searches, it might be something like proposal tool for sales teams or proposal tool for accountants or um, proposal tool for finance or something like that, a long tail keyword, which is relevant to the offer and the market that you serve it might not be that variation that's just guessing off the top of my head but working out what your target markets are with a variation of your tool included um so those are some of the main ones and likewise competitor alternatives can be quite good in the the tech space so pandadoc alternative proposal alternative and there's a bunch of others knowing your competitors and building those out so those are probably some of the first places you start yes you're probably thinking why don't i just go for a kind of super juicy generic keyword that has thousands of traffic like proposal tool or proposal software, which you can by all means, but don't expect to get results too quickly unless you've got a million or, or so uh, dollars to pump into links and building authority because there'll be giants in the space. So those more generic competitive terms, they can be your long-term goal over the next 12, 18, 24 months. But in the meantime, we want to see results in kind of three to six months with these long tail searches. So once you've nailed yeah, don't those create content like HubSpot, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're not going to rank CRM for CRM uh, keywords in there anytime soon, unless you've got kind of a few yeah. million in the bank. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I mean by those. And then once you've kind of determined those search terms, then you want to build best in class content pages. So really long form detail pages that address what a customer cares about if they're searching for that offer. So something yeah. I did, when I got us ranking for a B2B SEO company recently in, in the UK and some EU countries was I basically just typed in on Google, B2B SEO company, looked in what the top three organic results were, assessed their pages and looked for gaps that I could fill where our content could be better. And you can do just the same on your target search terms. Yeah. But there's a few tricks of the trade. So you don't just want to do your standard um, content where you try and whack in as much words as possible. You want to actually think about, well, from a perspective, like if I'm talking about this offer on a sales call, what do they actually care about? What does a prospect care about? Ultimately, yeah. let's quickly talk. We can fix their problem. Let's quickly give them a snapshot of how this solution addresses the problem. Let's show some examples, some social proof of addressing it, maybe testimonial videos, maybe a quick case study, whatever. Um, maybe you want to qualify people on the page. Maybe we'll even 
uh, mentioned pricing um, because we want to make sure if someone clicks yeah. the call to action that we, we qualify them in if they book a demo. And then also uh, one that I did quite recently that helped me on a rank that B2B SEO company page was I was struggling actually because I was on page two for ages and I thought, well, why don't I actually um, address objections that come up on sales calls all the time? So quite often in my case, yeah. people ask me like, how much does it cost? Why are you more expensive than other companies? Isn't Google ads quicker than SEO? Um, how long does it take? Like all these questions that I get daily on, on sales calls, what I address them directly. And I'm sure if you're in your industry, you get much the same around pricing, implementation. Do I get an account manager, whatever? Quite literally address those up front. Most of your competitors will be scared yeah. stiff or their answers that they do give will be super fluffy, but get specific, get crisp and actually give people the answers <laughs> they want. Because not only is that going to help your SEO because you're addressing what's called EEAT, Experience, Expertise, Authority, Trust, which Google laid down as an algorithm yeah. update end of last year. So you're helping with content. You're helping with content that's actually worthwhile, but you're also giving prospects the answer to the questions that they care about, thus making them more yeah. likely to trust you and then convert and kind of request that demo, request that call. So that's something to think about for your long form pages that to actually make sure that they rank. And yes, you want to do technical SEOs. You want to give a decent meta and title description, do your heading tags and all that jazz and make sure you've got a fast loading page that works well on mobile and PC. That goes without saying. So that's some things to consider there. Um, and then when it comes to getting stakeholder buy-in, like SEO is always a game, right? Because Loads of SEO experts will say it depends on how long it's going to take to see rankings and see inbound. Yes. Um, and the thing about SEO is it's, well, some people kind of think that it's um, like a form of direct marketing or a form of response marketing or that kind of stuff. I think it's much more, right? Because the thing about SEO is that a lot of prospects, in my opinion anyway, subliminally place more trust in organic search results compared to paid. So any savvy yeah. person knows that an organic result is earned, whereas a paid one is just paid yeah. for placement. Um, so what the angle I quite like to take when it comes to pitching SEO to your stakeholders is, is look, if prospects are quite literally searching for our offer on Google, as it stands, our competitors are snapping up the traffic just because they rank higher than us. Every time a prospect searches for our offer, if they search for a competitor, if they search for a problem we fix, competitors are above us. They're quite literally stealing traffic and opportunities to the website. Um, so that's one way you can kind of play into the, the uh, bleeding neck problem that ignoring SEO costs. Um, and likewise, yeah. good thing about SEO is it's an asset. So every piece of content you create on your website, be it a solution page, a comparison page, a blog article, is a piece of evergreen content, meaning it's searchable not just now, but for months and years to come. So... Just like when you do a search on YouTube, like how to do something, you know, best ways to do something, you'll see a video a few weeks, a few months, even years old. SEO content's just yeah. the same, right? It can it can uh, be found, it can drive traffic, um, it can build trust, but also it can drive inbounds for not just now, but for years and years to come. So that's one of the angles I like to play. Um, stakeholders are always quite keen to see immediate results from like ads or outbound sales or whatever. But if you explain this properly and say, look, SEO is also going to strengthen those channels because if prospects keep seeing us top of organic search whilst they're comparing their vendors, whilst they're perhaps being outreached on email and calls, um, it's only going to strengthen the other channels. So, yeah, those are a few things that I tend to recommend. No, absolutely. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. 
you know it's it's like as a marketer who's been in the world of content and seo uh, this makes for a amazing conversation because you know on one side we are trying to um, con- consistently rank better and uh, be more available and seen uh, by our uh, primary target customers but at the same time uh, you know you also notice that every now and then the top 5 people who rank for these things write the same regurgitated content and uh, the content ranks it's functional but it's not very exciting when you go into it that's why i loved the part where you said that you need to really understand what people are looking for and uh, not just be purely technical mm-hmm. to just give you one example you know people have abused this faqs on the page to an extent that google has now you know removed that part from all of yep. that so so how do you balance that Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right, especially with AI right now, right? When people can use tools like Jasper and whatever and just get a 1500 2000 word yeah. article or page with a click of the fingers. Yeah. Um, but I think people, maybe not so now, but definitely in the the weeks, the months and years to come, people are going to realize like they'll just skim the content. It's like when you're on the LinkedIn feed and you see someone does a post and you see some of the comments are just automated from AI. and they say like wow this is awesome content this is going to skyrocket my gains and like all this kind of nonsense and it's like well, articles some of them just look like that they just look like they've been written by a robot and eventually that will people will become aware to that so if they land on your site they're reading these pages they're just going to bounce straight off um thus harming your your rankings and harming your conversion rate and your website session times so actually putting thought i think there's nothing wrong with using ai as a framework for content but then you want to involve a, a sub subject matter expert from your team so they can really say look if a prospect lands on this is it actually going to resonate with them is it going to talk about kind of their problems the pains that they're facing is it going to address those head on is it going to give them relevant social proof to build trust is it going to kind of overcome any objections that we often see is it going to address the questions is it going to give them everything on this page in order for them to trust us as a a useful asset to their business and take them one step closer to kind of having a conversation with sales there's no point creating invisible content that ranks absolutely love that right uh let's finally talk about um the the uh, backlinking aspect you know one of the primary aspect or or factors that people consider when it comes to seo is the amount of backlinks that you have sometimes you know in my personal opinion i've also seen that quality content even with internal backlinking has sometime uh, ranked pretty quickly uh, yep. but let's let's talk about the idea of backlinking in the sense that um, you know should you be really reaching out to people and building those backlinks or is the idea to create content that is backlinkable like how um, you know research documents or the statistics docs are created by the hubspot and all these other people mm-hmm. so what is your approach how do you look at it yeah yeah So Where I'll, does I'll, backlink fit into the strategy? I'll give you the scrappy Sam point of view, which will be kind of useful for absolutely. Boot, I love that bootstrap founders and marketers with limited budgets, etc. So it's kind of a bit more realistic than just talking about what applies to a kind of VC or funded company. First and foremost, like you mentioned there, Yag, you don't always need links. So if you copy some of the strategies that I said earlier in this, like for example, when I've ranked some quite niche terms like B two B SaaS SEO and B two B SEO company and kind of real long tail specific terms, didn't actually get any links to do those. I just made best in class content, really analyzed the competitor, and built for buyer. But when we go to generic terms that have got tons of traffic, 
when we go to like proposal tool, I don't know, best accountancy software, kind of real, real kind of competitive, generic, high vo traffic volume search terms, you haven't got hope in hell of ranking without quality links because you'll have serious giants in the industry that have acquired tons of high domain authority links. So Google sees uh, links as a, as a trust building factor. So when it comes to ranking for really juicy terms, yeah, you, you probably need some. Um, so a few scrappy ways that you can build some backlinks, ramp up your domain authority and kind of start building the rankings for some competitive terms. One of my favorites is doing what we do now. So actually guesting on podcasts. So a nice way to do that is what you can do is there's a good site called Chartable, chartable.com. You go, go there. It's got a, a drop down so you can quite literally click Apple Podcasts, click your target location, US, UK, whatever. Click the subcategory, marketing, finance, tech, whatever. Choose that. Then you can see the top 50, top 100 podcasts in your niche, which is a goldmine. Because from there, you can outreach to the hosts and essentially get as a guest on there. So you want to get your subject matter expert, whether that's yourself or someone on your team. One of the best ways that I've found to do it is to actually personalize, connect to them on LinkedIn. Um, so send a painfully short message. None of these hundred word emails that clogs the inbox. Literally find them on LinkedIn, the host of the show. Send them a painfully short personalized request like, hey, John, just listen to episode one and one. Love the point on this. Um, would be great to come on your show and talk about this X, Y, and Z. I was recently on this show. Something like that. Bit of social proof within the message and then end it like, are you against the conversation? So a bit of a Chris Voss reverse psychology close um, question. And that has quite a good success rate. What you want to do is kind of slowly pitch, pitch a few of those a day. Um, and then over time, you'll get yourself some good guest appearances on some relevant shows to your niche. And then what you can do is you can, of course, record a decent show, share some actionable tips. And then once you've got your show, you can then ask them to give a backlink on their article to one of your target keywords on your site. Um, but that's like a, a double hitter because you get PR, you'll probably get some exposure from the podcast, but you also get a nice link back to your site. That's one free way. Um, another free way is partnerships. Again, this is a this is probably a double hitter as well. So you find complementary companies to your industry um, that aren't direct competitors, but are something perhaps that customers ask you for. So in my case, as like a B2B SEO and website and go-to-market consultant, then quite a lot of the time I get asked about LinkedIn ads. I just don't do them. So I'll recommend a guy called Justin Rowe and his company, Impactable. And likewise, whenever they need, whenever they get asked about websites, SEO and that kind of thing, they'll just pass them to me. So you set up a channel with, with kind of complementary companies that serve similar clients to pass business to each other. So that's free leads, free inbound. But you, to my point, you create some media together. So that could be a joint podcast, a joint YouTube video series on how to, um, you create some blog articles, some how-to guides, and then you, you create some nice natural links on each other's sites. Um, gives you a nice little boost. And at the same time, also grows your business for a referral partnership scheme. Um, really nice kind of go-to-market and way to kind of ramp up inbound leads. And then lastly, to your point, create content so good it gets links. Yes, that's an option. So when you're building out pages, if you have got unique assets or unique data points that you can leverage, i.e. you've done some customer research on a certain segment 
and you've got some interesting statistics that you can put into some cool chart. Great stuff. Um, so if you've got anything like that, that's always going to be a, a win for sure. Amazing. And the first two points that you mentioned, you know, about podcasts and partnering, the, the, the best part and the worst part about this is that if you do it well, you can build amazing relationships. You can find the best audience and communicate your message in a, in a nice way. Like, you know, you're, you're um, making this conversation here and it's exactly the right audience because my audience is primarily content marketing folks from SaaS. And uh, this is the perfect way to talk and this is a perfect audience. And the conversation is very, very uh, relatable because you're, you're talking to the problems that they face on a daily basis. But on the contrary, you know, this is one area that also heavily gets messed up. Like every single day, I probably get about 10 emails that says that, hey, this is the profile of this person. Would you like to have him on the show? And I'm mm. like, this guy is, and they, they even make this as a template. You know, the line that you said that I heard you say this on this. And now people have made it in such a template that it is so fake when you read it at first. And sometimes I respond to these people saying that, by the way, this person was not on my show. And you did not mm. get him because we we never ended up recording an episode. It's it's it becomes a blast, right? Same thing with uh, partnership as well. It's like, hey, I have this blog post. I saw that you wrote on this. Can you give me a backlink? That's not where you start a relationship. <laughs> no, not at all. You want to be a bit more um, a bit more tailored, a bit more thoughtful. So, um, especially on partnerships like LinkedIn, I don't know how I approach it with some of our partners, like. Usually I, I probably kind of engaged on their posts for a while and then maybe sent them a tailored video message and said, look, I see you guys are serving a similar client base. I think we could start kind of passing inquiries to you. And would you be open to having like a quick zoom on kind of what we could send each other's way and maybe build some content together? And they already kind of trust you because you've engaged with their stuff on LinkedIn for a little while and you've built up a bit of a, a bit of a back and forth. Right. Um, so let's, let's summit all the, some, some of this all up from the lens of, you know, looking at it as a whole website. Um, I mean, uh, you guys are specialists in this. So um, what, how do you rate a typical website on what basis? What, what makes you say that, Hey, this is an amazing website that you will give them an A plus. Whereas some site you'll say that, Hey, these guys don't have the basic parameters and it's, it's, is it based on design? Is it based on the components or is it based on messaging? Uh, how do you judge it? There's so much that goes into a great website, um, but I'll give you the key overview and probably 90% 90, 90 of the websites that I see in B2B and SaaS are pretty shocking, mainly because they're not built for, for buyers, prospects, aka the people that are going to buy your stuff. Um, so you've got to think of it this way. Typically, um, and these insights I've gathered from kind of data of our own websites, clients' websites, and also from my podcast, Business Growth Show, from interviewing like 340 B2B senior marketing execs. So usually if someone's going onto your site, the main things they actually care about doing is quickly getting an idea of what you do, how you can help them, and the problem you fix. They want to see some proof of results, so maybe case studies, uh, testimonial videos, etc., that you can actually deliver on what you, you're promising. They want to check that they can afford your stuff. So they, they want to see a pricing page. They want to make sure that it's actually going to be within budget. Um, they want to get their questions answered. So in relevant pages, you want to kind of address questions, concerns, problems that we talked about earlier. And on the basis that you check all those boxes, then they want an easy way to strike up a conversation, 
ideally with an AE. They don't want to be qualified by an SDR. They want to book time on your reps calendar and have a decent conversation with an AE. So some kind of calendar tool or straightforward form so they can easily request that demo or consult. So that's the main things that someone wants to see from a B2B website, from my experience. Um, But where they go wrong is that kind of websites, messaging, content, pages are built on ego, aka what the C-suite thinks is going to work and look good, rather than actually crafting the messaging content design around what your focused clients care about. Um, And that, that could be a whole episode in itself, but a kind of crucial step is customer research before you actually do any design or copy. So talking, if you've got customers, that is, so if you've got like top 10 clients that you can interview, kind of really understanding things like what they care about seeing in a vendor's like your space. If you've got an existing website and you're redesigning, like what they feel is missing on your current website, um, understanding the main kind of problems, frustrations they have that they want to tackle, understanding what they feel is better on any competitors, um, and really kind of going through the jobs to be done framework, like what job are they trying to fix? Where are they getting stuck now? Um, what is What are some of the issues with your current site? What are the kind of main things that they actually care about seeing on a vendor's like yours website quickly? Um, and what do they feel they need to see before they're ready to have a sales conversation? I.e. on SaaS and tech websites, a lot of companies tend to hide their demos. Whereas if you talk to prospects, they'd much rather probably see a live video demo or see an interactive demo or something like that than give you their email, be contacted by a sales rep. So they probably want to see kind of some some variation of your product before they're ready to have a sales convo. So great websites are built on rock-solid research because um, that informs your copy, your messaging, um, key pages and design, and then making sure that that actually is addressed when you're building out those pages, understanding what people want to quickly learn, see or do before they're going to be ready to take that demo or book that sales call is pretty important. No, I love how this is like so top of the mind for you that it just flows like a river that you're you're like, probably you're seeing this on a daily basis, the number of people doing the same set of things again and again. And it it just comes like a waterfall. I, I love, you know, the way you explain this because, you know, I have seen certain websites with integration pages that literally say like, connect everything, do anything. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's about and and I I love the uh, you know jobs to be done aspect. I just recorded and published this uh, podcast episode with uh, uh, Bob Moesta where he entirely spoke about using jobs to be done uh, to create content, and um, it was a very interesting conversation wherein he said that you know he asked me what did you recently buy and I told him I bought a pair of shoes. I said then he asked like why did you buy it, and I said I bought it because. Um, you know, I joined a gym and I had to buy this. I'm like, no, 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 no. Uh, how many shoes did you have? I said, I had one. He said, why did you not use it? I said, the gym has a rule that I cannot wear shoes that I wear on the street into the gym. So I said, oh, okay, now you're talking. Then as he asked further and further, you know, he was finally able to lay it out and give me this example saying that your purpose was not to buy a shoe. Your purpose was fitness. And uh, this was a hurdle in your way. So you had to go and buy a shoe quickly and you probably might not be even thinking of the brand that you want because you want to quickly buy a shoe and your problem is this. And then he asked me, how much time did you spend in buying the shoe? I said, less than five minutes in the store. So there was the answer, right? Mm. A lot of people make their product the biggest deal, whereas what the customer wants to accomplish and what they want to feel at the end of it, your product might be a small speck of dust in that 
whole journey that they are having and you cannot blow this out of proportion i absolutely love it so true i have to listen to that episode <laughs> cuz that sounds interesting but yeah like you say knowing knowing those things like in your case the tipping point that actually drove you to decide that now is the point that you need to get those new trainers like that's i could talk about this stuff all day but it's like with homepage website homepage headlines just like you mentioned there, where you go onto a SaaS homepage and it's like, we're a 360 degree, all in one, encompassing piece of software that's going to manage everything A to Z. And it's like, well, I've landed on your website, but I'm still not entirely sure what you do. So if a prospect's just clicked a paid ad or come from organic or whatever, like how are they getting a clear idea of how you're going to improve their life, their business, or fix something they care about and are solving? Um, so it, it does boggle me why companies do that kind of stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. So with that, let's move to the second part of the podcast, which we call the rapid fire section. In this part, I'm going to shoot five pointed questions at you. The questions might be short, but the answers need not be. You can go with the flow based on whatever comes to your mind. So are you ready? Let's go. All right. Here's question number one. WordPress or Webflow? Which one do you prefer and why? Ooh, that's good. WordPress from an SEO perspective um, and for future scalability. But it's worth noting that a lot of SaaS companies are moving to Webflow for ease of use. Wow, interesting. Actually, you know, on the contrary, um, I don't maybe this is my observation. I've always felt that things rank faster on Webflow, but Webflow is a little harder to use compared to um, WordPress for me. But Maybe, uh, you know, I'm not an expert on Webflow. That's why I feel that. I just did a LinkedIn post about <laughs> web, Webflow versus WordPress, funnily enough. <laughs> right, right. I'm going to go and check that. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so here's question number two. What is your reaction to the LinkedIn post that pops up every now and then claiming that SEO is dead? Yeah, SEO is dead. Cold calling's dead. Demand gen's dead. Paid search is dead. Podcasting, everything's dead, man. Like, <laughs> why, why bother with marketing? Because it's all dead. <laughs> Um, no, it's, it's all <laughs> clickbait, right? Like most things on LinkedIn, yeah. they, they need to have these kind of hooks to get the traction, get the engagement and get people to click, see more. <laughs> um, a lot of stuff's dead if you don't have the right strategy. But the thing about SEO is SEO is not always the best fit for companies. So you've got to actually, the be SEO works best when you're in a market that is established. You have prospects actively searching for your solution. If you're in a brand new category, or a brand new sector, it's not always the best fit. Or likewise, if you don't have resources to assign to it properly, it might not be for you. Here's question number three. One thing that you believe that you still haven't mastered when it comes to SEO. So I lean heavily on strategy and the content side of things that you might have kind of heard me talking about. So that's that's why I have a development team, so they can handle the technical side of things. So that's probably the, the area that I could improve on. Hence why I have smarter people than me doing it for us. I think we both are on the same page. Uh, I'm also like that, more of a content person and less technical. Yeah, love that. Right, question number four. Having worked with a lot of SaaS companies um, and on their websites especially, what is one most common area of improvement that you've come across? Customer research, really. So SEO aside, just like I said there, building out your messaging content pages for what your focus, what your dream clients actually care about learning, seeing or doing. Here's... The final rapid fire. One metric that you would highly recommend to measure SEO performance based on and one metric that you absolutely hate measuring SEO on. 
Well, it's, it's got to drive revenue. So to get that, it's, you've got to measure the inbound demo requests or consult requests or call requests. That's the main metric people actually care about. Um, and it is difficult. Attribution's a funny beast, right? So that's why I'm not going down the Chris Walker route and just saying rely on how do you hear about us as a field on your inquiry forms. Yes, add <laughs> how did you hear about us and shout out to Tom Hunt because he mentioned recently on your, what I'm saying here is, on your demo request forms or consult request forms, add a field for how did you hear about us, but in brackets put, leave as much detail as you want with a smiley face. That helps you get more info in that field. Um, but what you'll find is if you rely on a field like that to attribute how people are finding you, a lot of people will put like Google, LinkedIn, quite one word answers. So use that as data, one data point. Use your analytics software, Google Analytics HubSpot as another data point. But then also when you call the lead, when you have the conversation, ask them, what, how did you stumble upon us today? What was the full journey that you took? And use all those three data points together to get the full journey of kind of how they found you, whether it was organic search. Maybe they went on Google. Maybe they then asked a peer. Maybe they went went in a Slack community so you can get all that data together. And another great question to ask on those sales calls is, I know you've got your choice of vendors in our, in our industry. Why did you take the time to fill out our form as opposed to a competitor? That'll give you a lot of intel as to, to why they chose you. I suppose if, if you're only met, 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 if you're only reporting on rankings, because then a company could just be like, well, we've got a thousand page ones or a thousand kind of page one position one organic, but they're not actually for money search terms. They're not actually contributing to relevant traffic that's actually uh, driving inbounds. And and I love the depth that you went into uh, talking of attribution because, you know, I, this is one area that I personally have seen a lot, like, uh, I 100% agree with you that leaving a blank does not get uh, an in-depth answer as expected. The reality is, of course, a combination like you mentioned. And the interesting part, you know, this is again another learning from uh, the Bob Moesta episode wherein he says that the reason why people go and choose three or four people, uh, three or four options is that for all you know, they might have decided that this is the one that I want to get into but they want two or three more options so that they can eliminate those three to make sure that their decision is right. That's from a jobs to be done perspective. But yeah, uh, asking about these things as an AE into the conversation gives you their holistic journey rather than you just looking at certain data points and making assumptions. I absolutely love that. Yeah, man. I, I say that because I literally did it ourselves. Like we added the how do you hear about us to our inquiry form some time ago. And we were getting just like one-liners like Google, LinkedIn, searched online, asked a friend. It doesn't really tell you anything. Like it wasn't until I was getting on those sales calls and like asking them the detailed question about their journey, then I was getting kind of the real in-depth side of things. So it's worth worth bearing in mind that not everything you see on LinkedIn is gospel and quite a lot of that stuff is coming from marketers that never sold anything in their life. Those are golden words, but maybe a little controversial also. But I love that's being the controversial. Truth. <laughs> Awesome. And there we have it. I hope you found this episode of use. If you did, a quick rating or review on your podcast channel is appreciated or subscribe on YouTube goes a long way. And to check out my daily B2B marketing email tips, grab my free playbooks, podcasts, or to apply to work with me, head over to samdunning.org.